What's up, everything? It's Friday, October 20th. The Blues are 6-2, and two, and that's a record matched in the NHL only by, you guessed it, the New Jersey Devils. We'll talk about the three games in the past week against the Lightning, Blackhawks, and Avalanche, and we'll look ahead in, to the next week's games. We'll also focus on the big storylines from the week, including a bunch of really strange official reviews. Finally, we'll debut a new segment, and we'll do the NHL Tweet of the Week. That's all coming up, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Uh, it is Friday night. We were recording late because we went and saw Mr. John Mulaney, uh, one of the funniest men on the planet, last night at the Peabody Opera, Opera House. How did you enjoy that evening, Ian? I was in stitches. <laughs> but no, really, it was he was very good. He's I have seen stand-ups, and then I'll be slightly disappointed just because it's different work, mm-hmm. you know. But I thought he did a really, really good job, and I'm excited to see the the special that comes out of what he showed us. Yeah, we're devoted listeners of him in the first place, and I thought, and I'm sure some of this is just the effect of being there live. But if this becomes his next Netflix special, it might be the best of the bunch. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. We do have interests other than hockey. Uh, although we talk about them very little on here. But <laughs> I saw Queens of the Stone Age last yeah we did last talk, weekend that oh, was good we never reviewed how it no. how it was though how was it we'll give it we'll give it four out of five stars <laughs> yeah. I liked I liked them a lot I'd seen them before what venue was it at in uh, it was at the funny you say that it was at the Roy Wilkins Auditorium which is kind of like the Peabody Opera House in the sense that it's connected to a hockey arena that's what roy wilkins is connected to where the wild play in st paul excel energy center yeah yeah Mm. but it's different because it's definitely more of a kind of arena sort of thing Mm -hmm. oh i don't mean to like make it sound terrible but it's it's not as nice as like a theater like um um, i want to say that emerson peabody (laughs) other energy um but yeah that was really good yeah that's got awesome. It was a cool road trip, cool weekend, all mm-hmm. that. Royal Blood's really good live. That was their opener. Oh, yeah. Which is a bass player and a drummer. A lot of energy for just two guys. Yeah. Highly recommend it. They had a, an opener. Mulaney had an opener last night. Do you remember his name? Um, Max Silvestri. Oh, he, good he job. Was on, <laughs> he was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, apparently. He was pretty funny. I liked him, too. Um, it was funny. He walked off stage... And they, like, raised the house lights, and I was like, oh, I'm going to check the Blues score real quick. (laughs) And, like, as I was looking out, people looking down at my phone, literally, and, like, as much time as it took me to get my phone out of my pocket, people started screaming, and I looked up, and Mulaney was just on stage. So there was, like, no break. It was kind of cool. It was, like, the fastest run event I've ever been to, Mm -hmm. like, because Silvestri started at, like, 10.05, maybe, and it was, you know, the late show that started at 10, and then Mulaney was out, like, immediately, and we were out in, like, a tight two hours. It was pretty cool. So moving on from that, uh, it's been a week since we last convened, and there have been three hockey games 
since then, while there have been lots of hockey games, three that involved the St. Louis Blues, <laughs> uh, that we will talk about. The first, uh, and I think indisputably the least interesting and most boring of them, was the uh, St. Louis Blues traveling to Tampa Bay. Uh, they were only traveling from Miami at that point, but they took on Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay and lost 2-1 to one to the Lightning. Uh, Ian, I know you didn't get to see this game really mm-hmm. at all because you were in Minneapolis, but I know you know about some of the storylines and things. This game was a snoozer. <laughs> I'm glad I missed it. It was really like a part, and I'm not just saying because like the Blues lost. It really start to finish was just like... It didn't feel like either team was really into it, mm-hmm. and it just felt boring. And I feel justified saying this because we put up a Twitter poll, and like eight out of the nine responses were all that it was like a snoozer. So I feel like <laughs> I'm not alone in assuming this. Um, the The Lightning won uh, off of goals from Tyler Johnson, who was assisted by Sergachev and Braden Point. And uh, Nikita Kucherov, who at that point had scored five goals in five games. I think he's now currently scored eight goals in eight games. And the record to start a season is like 11 or 12. Uh, So he's on a pretty cool streak. And he was assisted by Stamkos and Nemisnikov. And then Tarasenko buried a late um, goal kind of from out of nowhere. Kind of a very strange shot Mm -hmm. from sort of like the low point but like through bodies that just one of his wicked wristers that just got through everything and into the net. Had they pulled the goalie at that point? I think that was just before they pulled the goalie because okay. I would remember if they'd scored a six on five because they never Impossible. do. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I think, didn't they, this was the game I think they ended with actually a six on four and still couldn't quite uh, do anything. I'm glad but, I didn't see any yeah. of this. Uh, the one one cool note from this game was it was the debut of Sammy Blay. He had been called up after the Florida game in uh, relief of Tage Thompson. Not in relief, like we sent Tage Thompson down. <laughs> it wasn't like, Tage, you take a rest. We'll put Sammy in there. But, yeah, so Sammy Blay came up. Uh, he's been playing a lot of second-line, third-line minutes on the wing, and I think he's looked pretty good. I mean, he hasn't dominated anything yet. Mm-hmm. He hasn't scored a goal yet, although he does have a point that we'll get to a little later. But yeah, He doesn't look out of place at all. Yeah, from what you've thing. seen of him, what have you thought of Boy so far? Um, the little I have seen of him, like I said, I think he looks in the right spot in the NHL. He definitely looks like the type of player that can stick around. I hope when we get injuries back mm-hmm. that he's still in the mix yeah. and that we're sitting guys like Payarvi and Yaskin Sunquist. Sunquist, yeah. Oof. Instead. Because plays I, I just like it when you play a player that needs the development and needs it at the NHL level. Because mm-hmm. there's no point in sitting the guy. Yeah. This you w- know what you have in Yaskin and yeah. Barvey, basically. As we've mentioned before, this was a guy that really impressed in last year's training camp mm-hmm. and just barely missed the team coming in last year. So having another full year in the AHL, we gotta either you know, we got to see what we have in him mm-hmm. at the NHL level. There's just no point to keeping him in the AHL or he'll become a Wade Megan type where it's just like, mm-hmm. this is what you do now, you know? So, and we did actually wave Wade Megan this week when yeah. uh, Steen came back. So I know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I know we pay more attention to the Blues than some other people who are kind of like in the 1% maybe of people mm-hmm. that just are really into the Blues. So, but it's still. Blows my mind when I'll read people go, I hope when Wade Meegan goes down, 
uh, he gets enough experience down there and come back refreshed and yada yada to try again like next year at cracking the team. I was like, I hope you know this guy is not a prospect. <laughs> he's like a 27 year old man. Yeah. And as much as I think he's, you know, a fine plug, he's still kind of, you know, a plug player. He's but a I, hair plug yeah. for men. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just an aside because I'll see people be like, oh, I hope he does well when he comes back. I'm like, me too, but not. it's not the same as like a Blay or a Barbashev. Yeah. And there's a definite difference between even like a Yaskin. Mm-hmm. And a Wade Megan because there's just that, you know, if they're an AHL player who's playing really well mm-hmm. enough to give you like third and fourth line minutes in the NHL versus are they a prospect that still has exactly. hopefully some ceiling they might reach. Uh, so Blaze looked pretty good. I think the only other thing I noticed in this game that I thought we should talk about because it's kind of always been a problem. I don't even want to call it a problem. It's like the sort of thing you would tell your children, do this for sure, but then it's <laughs> NHL players, uh, is that I think there's a, a little bit of a problem in Vladimir Tarasenko not shooting the puck when he should be shooting the puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one specific moment, and I forget if it was Stastny or someone else, but they were skating up on a two-on-one, uh, and Tarasenko basically had a wide-open shot, and he opted to try and make a cross-eyes pass, and it was it, it was broken up, or it was kind of a sloppy shot or something, and it wasn't didn't end up being all that threatening. And I just watched that, and I'm like, I love that. I really actually love that Tarasenko wants to be a creator. He wants to be an all-around player. He mm-hmm. likes to you know have that asset to he his game. He is a game. good passer, yeah. But there is a point where it's just you got to take the shot. Like you were the shooter. <laughs> You're the guy, man. Par excellence on this team, and. In the whole league, it's not like you know. It's not like every team has a guy that can shoot as well as Vladimir Tarasenko. There are probably only four or five pure shooters mm-hmm. anywhere close to his level in the league. And so, I don't know where do you stand on that because we saw later when he did score a goal, which was a very like traffic in front kind of a no like no wind up just sort of wrister mm-hmm. that just absolutely sniped over Vasilevsky's shoulder you know obvious and it's not like that was a surprise but he showed later in this same game that when he takes shots good things happen mm-hmm. and i think we see the same stuff on the power play too in terms of you know him just holding the puck and yeah, looking yeah. for other passes rather than creating that Ovechkin power play where it's like we know who's shooting and it's still going to work sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's definitely the guy. He's the one that should be shooting, and I think even um, desk people, you know, on NBC or on Fox Sports have mentioned that if he shot more than he did, he might even be like he'd easily be that fifty goal guy. Mm-hmm. It's just that he doesn't shoot as you know as much as an Ovechkin or just you know enough for the type of player he is. Yeah. It's weird because when they when he's not shooting, when he's trying to pass, it seems kind of like they're not using him or he's not using him his own skills correctly, even though he's a great passer. Right. But I do like kind of as a uh, sort of different take on it is that there's a lot of times when we saw in these last two games uh, that we'll be talking about too that other players can almost use Tarasenko as a, I guess you'd call it like a fake or like a screen. Mm-hmm. And not a literal screen, but it'll be a two-on-one, and you can already see the goalie cheating towards Tarasenko, right? Who doesn't have the puck, and then a Brodziak scores, yeah. And it's just a surprise of like, oh, I thought it was going to Tarasenko. So I think he has the right idea, 
But sometimes if it gets to him, he should shoot. Right. But we can play around him yeah. and kind of use him as sort of like a fake, if you will. Right. And you're not, I mean, obviously you don't want to be in a situation where the goalie knows it's always him shooting. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a, it's something where he needs to be. And look, it's, you know, anytime we're just laymen questioning the decisions of <laughs> players Vladimir playing Tarasenko at the most doesn't elite. Know what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just <laughs> observing from my couch, so I, I'm well aware of that. But you would like to see him just firing more pucks at the net. I mean, one of the things about Alex Ovechkin is that he actually has a very low shooting percentage mm-hmm. because he takes like 18,000 yeah, shots a, a year. <laughs> and some of like 50 or more of them go in every year, you know, and you don't, I don't necessarily want that player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd take Alex Ovechkin, don't <laughs> get me wrong, but like, I don't want necessarily Tarasenko to go all that, all mm-hmm. the way to that extreme. But, um, yeah, I'd love to see him be a little less hesitant to just fire away mm-hmm. and take his shots at will. Um, I don't know a lot of other storylines from this game, and you didn't get to see it. Anyway, so I think uh, we can move on. But it was a—I mean, it wasn't—it wasn't a good game really from either team. We played a really good team on the road at the end of a long road trip, really close. You don't. There's not a lot of like, oh, the Blues really looked terrible in this game. It was just kind of you lose some. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a snoozer that you lost. And maybe we were looking ahead a little bit to the next game, which was hosting the Chicago Blackhawks on Wednesday night. Uh, Primetime, national television. Um, kind of cool we got to see the return of Eddie Olchek, who's been battling cancer. Um, he returned to the national NBC booth on Wednesday and got a standing ovation in uh, Scott Trade Center, which I thought was real cool, especially since he's a Blackhawk and, like, mm-hmm has been accused of being a little bit of a Blackhawk homer, you know. um, It was really cool, and that's just kind of typical St. Louis fans. Not that any other (laughs) other sports city wouldn't have probably done that, but it was still a cool thing to say. I'm sure Philly would. right. (laughs) I mean, there are some towns that wouldn't have, but Columbus probably would have pulled it off. But, yeah, I mean, the big storyline from this game was Jaden Schwartz, right? He got a hat trick with three really beautiful goals uh, that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I think Schwartz has been the breakout player of the year so far. Well, except for maybe Petrangelo, they've both been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about we've talked about in past episodes how good that uh, Sh- Schwartz and Shen line looks. And Shen's taken a little bit of a back seat to Schwartz the last few weeks, and that's probably fine as long as he just doesn't stay in neutral. But you know, Schwartz has looked great. Uh, Six goals already on the season, I think, at the end of all of these that we'll talk about, um, and a handful more assists on top of that. So really looking good so far. Um, What did you think about that first goal that he scored? He scored the only goal in the opening period, and he got it kind of really in tight on uh, Crawford, Mm -hmm. the Blackhawks goalie, and then he switched and kind of did a front-hand, backhand move with his back to Crawford and, like, buried it behind him. It was really pretty shot, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make of that goal? I'm just surprised that he's the one that we got in front of the net. I'm glad he's there. Mm-hmm. I just always think of it as a, a bigger player, you know, a Bacchus type or even Berglund, someone, someone like Perron even. But, yeah, it's just nice to see 
dirty goals from a guy too because we know he can score you know pretty looking ones like he's got a really good wrister mm-hmm. so it's just nice to see that you can get him from anywhere with a guy it just makes him feel that much more versatile and we like we had talked about when I think the way Schwartz goes is kind of the way this team goes. Mm. I mean, obviously, we've mentioned if Tarasenko gets 12 goals on the season, then we're just screwed <laughs> right. either way. Right. Yeah. But I, he's going to get his goals, and I think Schwartz is the sort of unknown quantity. Yeah. We're like, maybe you will, maybe you won't. He'll be a good player. The team rides on Schwartz more, like in the way that like the Flyers ride on Wayne Simmons mm-hmm. or the Kings ride on Jeff Carter. Like, yes, the Flyers have Quo Mm-hmm. And uh, Jacob Voracek, yes, the Kings have Anze Kopitar, but like every team needs that second guy. Exactly. You know, I mean, Crosby needs Malkin. Every team, one of the reasons that the Capitals have never quite gotten over the hump is they don't have, I mean, they have Backstrom, but they don't necessarily have that second guy. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying Schwartz is even on the level of any of those second guys I just named, but if he can get to that Wayne Simmons 30 goal level, just being really involved all the time. I mean, that's a huge, huge mm-hmm. boon for this team. I think it helps, too, that Schwartz is now not on the same line as Tarasenko. Right. And I'm not saying that's what's making him score more necessarily. No. I just mean that it's that if he can do this on his own and then Tarasenko can be on a whole other line doing what he does best, it just makes that much harder for teams to defend. Yeah, that'll be good to watch for going forward. And Schwartz also... Um, had the second goal. All three of his goals were really cool for some different reason. The second one was actually all about <laughs> Jake Allen, really. Uh, just an uh, incredible... That was a heads-up It's pass. hard to know how intentional it was to be exactly mm-hmm. this precise, but he took a puck um, from kind of the middle of our defensive zone. He played it off the boards. Mm-hmm. Like played a high pass off the boards kind of around a Blackhawks change mm-hmm. and dumped the, it yeah, to he, Tarasenko on the it was on, it was on the, the far, change, it was, right? Yeah, it was on the far side yeah, too, so right. away from the benches and uh, everything, and, obviously. And it it hit it ended up catching Schwartz rather, not Tarasenko. Schwartz right on the tape and Crawford kind of got stuck in the middle of like trying to poke check versus just staying in his net and mm-hmm. Schwartz pretty pretty easily like got around him and just basically shot it in an empty net mm-hmm. but just a really beautiful like cross ice play Allen got the assist um schwartz got his second goal of the game a really cool goal tarasenko then did tarasenko things and got the third goal <laughs> that was a good strip and i'm sitting there watching this I, w- I was a little in and out on this game i have family over on wednesday night so it's hard for me to always watch all of them uh, because they're they don't know what's good for them and they don't watch enough boys games. <laughs> but um, ter- I'm sitting there thinking, man, we're up three zero on the Blackhawks. Like I didn't see this coming at all. Mm. And this, I think, overall was just the best game that we've played all season. I think so for no, sure. I, I mean, probably it had something to do with it being against the Blackhawks because of the mental aspect of things. But I'm not just saying that because we beat the Blackhawks five to two. I just think we looked. Like, we played the cleanest hockey, even though there was some weird stuff in the third period that we'll talk about. Like, I don't think we really took the third period off. No, it just seemed um, like a bad bounce here and yeah. there. Uh, but, so we were up 3-0 going into the third intermission, 
And then uh, Brodziak scored the goal that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Do you want to talk about that a little bit in terms of how Tarasenko was used or not used on that yeah. play? Well, it just seemed it was Brodziak settling the puck down on a two-on-one, and I can't remember who the defensive player was for uh, who the defenseman was for Chicago. Keith, maybe? It might have been. Because they both, Keith and Seabrook, ended up minus four in this game or something. It could have been. You could be right. But, man, the the way they looked like they were going to defend this two-on-one was just like the guy didn't know which way to go. It was like, I'll defend the pass. I'll try and strip it from him. It was a weird sort of like he had like a middle-of-the-ice seizure. It was mm-hmm. like his limbs went everywhere. <laughs> At the same time, I think he was realizing he had to stop it and then realized Tarasenko was the other guy mm-hmm. and didn't know what to do. But, yeah, Brodzik kind of had like a heads-up. Gave Tarasenko a look. I think kind of looked the defender off of him like a good a good quarterback, and uh, <laughs> I just I just sniped it yeah. in the upper right hand corner. And just watching Tarasenko celebrate, like his arms like fly up, and then he's like all over Brodziak and like give him like a nuggie and stuff yeah. for like when he scored, which is just warms my heart because uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this little Russian guy, he loves everybody. <laughs> I, lo- I love him so much. We don't deserve him as a human being. <laughs> but it was a great goal, and even though. We were up 3-0. I think it's nice to have a bottom six player, a fourth liner, get a goal, if not only for kind of a slight confidence boost. Mm -hmm. I know Brodziak's a veteran, so it's not like he doesn't know he can't score. But I think it's when you sort of break the seal, if you will, for the season, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I've got that monkey off my back. I can play a little looser. Yeah, definitely. I think what you mentioned about Tarasenko brings up a really good point in terms of does it feel like this team is a little more united than it has been in years past under hitch i feel like there's just a lot a little a little looser overall Mm -hmm. and a little more happiness for each other less independent contractors (laughs) if you will well, we got um, one back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we failed to mention the big storyline coming into this game, and that's on my head because I wrote the show notes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Alex Steen returned. <laughs> Alex Steen returned from IR. We alluded to it earlier. Uh, Wade Megan got waived, and I didn't hear that he got claimed, so I guess no, he made he, it to I the I think NHL. today they said, yeah, he um, passed through. Which is further proof that made it's it not the, like this young, brilliant yeah. prospect. That Whenever they say over. made it to the AHL, when they get waved, it makes it sound like they like went through the mountains. And they, were like, <laughs> they were like orcs that were going to kill them. Like, he made it. He made it all the way to the AHL. Uh, good point. Yeah, he did. When I don't know which AHL team. I was, just about, know anymore, I was just about to say that. I'm like, I'm sure he's on the walls, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? So, yeah, Steen came back, and I think you could see it in this game. Not that Steen showed up on the score sheet or even looked especially great i mean mm. he looked fine he's but you know he's rusty coming off injury i just think this team and we talked about it it's not a surprise but we boy were we thin mm-hmm. on especially top six talent when steam was out and now that he's back it's like oh now we like don't have to play you know whoever yaskin on the second line or whatever so mm-hmm. i think you saw that in this game um, I forgot to mention that the assists on the Brodziak goal ended up being from Upshaw and uh, Pareko. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, after that, the uh, Blackhawks made their typical Blackhawks-esque just push they got everything it. forward and terrorize their opponents. 
um, Ricard. It is Ricard, right? Panic. Oh, maybe. Uh, Panic. We'll just go with Panic. Scored his fourth goal of the season, assisted by Keith and Kane. Um, And then the big one, the big kind of controversial one, was Ryan Hartman scored his third goal of the season, uh, and he was assisted by DeBrincat and Brent Seabrook. And this was a situation where uh, one of the Blackhawks players was definitely uh, sliding into uh, Jake Allen as this goal was scored. Mm -hmm. And there was maybe a slight push from a Blues player. Um, But it sure looked like goalie interference to me. I did not understand why it was not called goalie interference on the ice, and then it was reviewed and ruled that it was no goalie interference. Um, Yeah, I just think goalie interference, there doesn't seem to be a real good standard for it, as we'll find out when we venture to Colorado. Uh, Or maybe there is a good standard, and it's just a very high standard, but... (laughs) It could be that. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you think about this call? We didn't get to watch this one together, but I was trying it was a strange situation. I was trying to pull up here because I'm completely unprepared. Uh, the gif of that of that goal. Very, very amateur work for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Unprepared. Um, because I, I remember him getting whoever that was in front, Hartman, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of a shove, or I guess yeah. Hartman scored the goal. I think there was a little contact. I just wasn't convinced that it wasn't it's, interference. What I always like to do in these scenarios is put the blues in the other position and try my hardest to be like, what would I? I'm viewing. I'm viewing the way it's going, the way right. the Blues had it happen right. as a Blues fan, so I'm not going to try and view it neutral the other direction. I'm going to try and view it as a Blues fan the other way and see mm-hmm. how I feel. And I would think, even as a Blues fan, if we got shoved into earth, they called it goaltender interference um, against Crawford, I would have felt like we got a little undeserved justice or we didn't really deserve it so i kind of can see why they didn't call it goaltender mm-hmm. interference i guess is what i'm trying That's to say fair, yeah as i can see why i i cooled on it a little bit over time but mm. i just don't know where the line is really well because like i understand if you're really shoved into a guy mm. i i can see those plays this was like felt more like incidental contact it was kind of a scrum in front mm. anyway so i think the hard part too is I watched it, or have a lot of people, I'm sure, watch the replay, and so it's like slow motion, and it feels like he's down and in Allen's face for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like he has the opportunity yeah. to get up and back off. Right. But then at full speed, it's just so quick, and he's in there for a little bit, and it does. I mean, he's on top of Allen. There's no like two ways yeah. about it. It's just a matter of how he got there. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those things where you just should set a standard. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if there's maybe if you do the if there's any physical contact, not any physical contact, but if there's any pushing, regardless of what caused it, mm-hmm. it's goalie interference. I feel like, but I don't know. I, I'm not a rule maker. I, see, I understand yeah. why that would be a problem too. I just don't like this very kind of nebulous what is and what isn't. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so, but that didn't end up costing the Blues too much because at the end of the day, 
I said that that forbidden phrase. I hate that phrase. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The final goal of the game came from Jaden Schwartz on an empty netter. Uh, we have one of those sequences that I hate that they do this, and I don't understand why they do this, but they'll just fire the puck down ice mm-hmm. repeatedly at the empty net and accepting icing. icing as the consequence instead of ever trying to like escape the zone and like bury it, which is what other teams do. Uh, but Schwartz did finally hit the net from our own zone, which was pretty cool. Got assisted by Pareko. The hat's all flew on the ice. Cool moment for him. Uh, definitely a cool moment for the team to have a really convincing win over the Blackhawks, who then went and got beat in overtime by the Oilers, I think. <laughs> so um, right now the Blues are ahead in the standings over the Blackhawks by two points. So this game is sort of the difference, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, but it's eight games into the season, so who yeah. cares? But. Well, I mean, it's just one more point above them, but yeah. it felt like a really big game. Yeah, and like it you, did. Like you had mentioned, we just looked a lot better than any game we had before, and to me it was one of those games that aside from maybe a few playoff games against the Hawks, we just looked a lot more dominant. Mm-hmm. I think this is a game, too, where our speed got shown to us yeah. a little more the speed yeah. that we have the speed that we gained from younger players that yo is willing to kind of use a little more too because our our defensemen are pinching in like we've talked about but more than just on the boards they're like in the circle they're at the dots almost the face-off mm-hmm. dots in the zone and it's just amazing how much more pressure that leads to on the other team you're there you're constantly having defenders of the opposing team just turning because you're firing it from every angle and you've already got a defender breathing down your back it's we looked like the hawks of old look, yeah yeah in that game yeah and they kind of they kind of looked like us yeah and it was true. nice to see it was um and i think this it i think this was kind of a very tone setting game in a sense too where if you look at just how the season had unfolded yes we were five or we were four and two at that point mm-hmm uh, we'd had those four opening wins, but this, some of those were kind of sloppy, as we talked about mm-hmm. last week and the week before that. And then we had the two losses in a row. Uh, this was, as and we said, I mean, I think we said in the preview, or I said at the end of the last episode, this mm-hmm. was a game where it was really going to be like, can you handle the Blackhawks in this mm-hmm. big moment? Especially after two losses. Uh, right after two losses. So are you like a good team that's now 5-2 and two going forward, like looking ahead, having handled the Blackhawks once? Or are you a reeling team that had a hot start but is now 4-3 and three and kind of who knows? Mm-hmm. And we really, not only did we win, like we'd won earlier games, but we really set the tone. I mean, we really won this game. To me, the final score makes it look closer than it really was which mm-hmm. i know is kind of a thing people say all the time but like <laughs> i do think like those two goals were trademark blackhawks high pressure in the late stages type of goals but we didn't really turtle in this game as much as we had in other games mm-hmm. even though i did make jokes about it on <laughs> twitter because i can't resist a good turtle gif but yeah it was just i think it was a really hallmark win as early season wins go uh, and it propelled them very well to go face the Avalanche the next night, last night, uh, in Colorado, which is just a hard back-to-back. You host the uh, Blackhawks, and then you have to fly to Colorado, immediately play them. That's just tough. 
mile uh, high. You're up in that. Yeah, you're up there in, in altitude. The altitude too. Yeah, which I believe. I don't. I don't. I mean, I. I, <laughs> I believe that there are mountains there. I, I, I believe. believe yeah, I'm not a flat earther. <laughs> I know that Denver is a mile high from sea level, but. It always just feel whenever they talk about it enough, I'm sure they athletes feel a difference, but I think it's a thing where they say it so often in all these different sports where I'm almost like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's always weird because like it's high, it's thinner air up here. I'm like, we get it. I bet you feel it though if you're exhausted after a oh no Blackhawks yeah game anyway. Uh, this is a game we didn't see all of because of the Mulaney uh, performance. Uh, what we did see was uninteresting it was kind of slow <laughs> and then what we didn't see what we watched in the recaps was very confusing so yeah. uh kerfoot alexander kerfoot who is a college shining from harvard and who has a very funny name kerfoot is uh, one of those things <laughs> that when batman punches like the joker in the 60s it goes kerfoot, kerfoot? yeah <laughs> um uh he, he scored the first goal of the night assisted by Comfer and ranton and um this is an interesting. I just wanted to bring this up as kind of an aside, but this is another uh, young college player that's making an impact in the NHL, and it made me think: Do the Blues ever show interest in these college signings, like at all? I bet they do. I don't. I'm, I just don't remember hearing about mm-hmm. it. You know, I remember when Danny DeKaiser came out. Mm-hmm. It was at a time where I was like, man, the Blues could really use like a third, uh, fourth, a uh, second pairing defenseman, mm-hmm. and. I, maybe there were some rumors about like we're interested, but it never seemed like yeah. we were deep in the running. And it could be that they're just not interested in us. I would think they mm. would be because we're a good team. But like some of these guys, like specifically with Kerfoot, <laughs> the, <laughs> I know he was drafted by the Devils and he chose not to sign there because they had a lot of center depth okay. prospects already, and he didn't want to like get mired down by that. But. Um, I don't know Man, how that to works. be that team, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just looking. I'm like, oh, he's a center who can score. Why didn't we like express any interest in this guy in a year where we needed like third liners and second liners? But anyway, it'll be interesting to see if we ever sign one of these college guys. They're rare enough that you can never be like, oh, this is a pattern, oh, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like one, maybe two a year. Well, I don't understand the draft thing then. I mean. When you draft, when they drafted uh, Kerfoot, and then he was able to just sit there for a while till his draft or till his like yeah, rights so were up. Yeah, so he went back to college, and um, they just never got a deal done. And there's some like after a certain point when you graduate. Mm. I think it can only really happen with college players. Okay. Well, I guess it can only happen because if you're playing for a junior team after you're signed, you're like signed after mm-hmm. you're drafted. But. Um, yeah, there's a certain point after you graduate where, like, if you can't reach a deal, then... Okay. They... I guess it's kind of like a, like an overseas player. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so Kerfoot scored the first goal. Uh, the second period opened with Paul Stastny scoring his third goal of the season, assisted by Tarasenko and Petrangelo, and this was his 600th career point, which was kind of sw- cool to see him do back in his return to Colorado. Uh, kind of cool to have like his both mm. of his teams there, if you will. You know, <laughs> do you like, think they play coming home for him? <laughs> probably not. They probably hate him. Like, <laughs> I know there's a little bitterness from like Jordan, the one Avs fan I've talked to, of like we didn't really want to lose him. Having mm-hmm. you know, also losing Ryan O'Reilly a year later, but he hasn't like oh, excelled yeah. here. So you know, I feel like it's probably ebbed a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, it was a cool moment for him. I think he's having a pretty good season so far. Mm-hmm. You want to see him stay healthy, but I think he's doing real well. Uh, Jaden Schwartz then continued his hot streak, scored uh, his sixth goal of the season, assisted by Petrangelo, who has eight assists so far, and Sabotka, who has mm-hmm. his fifth assist the of Schwartz, the season. The Schwartz goal is also like the same as the Hawks goal, the first one. Mm-hmm. He was in front, and I think this is... Forehand bang. This was more of like that Ovechkin falling goal. Like the first one against the Hawks, he still kind of had the wherewithal be like on his skates uh-huh. and put it in. I think this one, he was kind of falling over and just swiped at it and yeah. went in. He's definitely playing that like dirty goal front mm-hmm. of the net role that we've really needed, certainly since Backus and Brower left. Mm-hmm. But even those guys didn't always do it as much as you wanted to see. You yeah, know? that was so, always kind of weird. Um Great. I mean, great. I I have nothing but good things to say about Jaden Schwartz right now, at least in terms of on ice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, should we explain that, or do you think we just let it sit and? No, we let's go ahead. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, we'll just be laughing at so, Jaden Schwartz all the time. I have a friend who works for kind of like a, a peer of of uh, StubHub or SeatGeek, and one of the jobs he has. Uh, he had originally, it's based out of St. Louis, and one of the jobs he had when he started there was he'd, like, go uh, to, like, Blues games, any sporting event in the area, and just, like, get autographs, line up before practice, after practice, get autographs from the players. It's how I have a Pekka Rene autograph in my room and a Darren Pang autograph, and it's how you have an Ivan Barbashev autograph Mm -hmm. now that I got you. Uh, So... It's a cool job to have, I feel like, yeah, although dope. I'm also like passive and shy enough that I wouldn't exactly want it. But anyway, uh, this guy who has the job is a really friendly, good friend of mine, and we were talking about some of the players at one point, and like, as an aside, he mentioned that like Jaden Schwartz was kind of short when he did these, like temperamentally short. <laughs> Like, just didn't seem really enthusiastic about it, would do it, but didn't love to do it, didn't talk a lot, that sort of thing. And so between Ian and I, in the last two or three years since we heard this, this has evolved into this whole ethos where Jaden Schwartz is like an evil person. <laughs> and just yeah, it's gotten real, it's a, gotten real bad. A real D-bag, which, just to be clear, no basis in yeah. truth at all. Just... This is just how we talk to each other. So when we make Jaden Schwartz jokes, that's the heart of it. Consider it a meme. Yeah, it's our personal inside meme. I don't know if you can have those. Like, you have inside jokes. This is an inside meme. (laughs) If you can't have them, we just patented it. So there you go. (laughs) Moving on to someone who's not a major D-bag, to my knowledge, is Vince (laughs) Dunn scored his second goal of the year, assisted by Stastny, who has five assists and eight points and uh, Robert I did get it right Bortuzzo <laughs> who has two assists I always call him Todd Bortuzzo which is unfair to him because Todd Bertuzzi is actually <laughs> a monstrous is actually garbage um so Vince Dunn scored a second goal is this kid kind of a sniper like for a defenseman both of his goals have been real like high-powered wrister type of yeah you know I don't know um if I mentioned on here before but I know a lot of the comparables when we drafted him, or maybe not when we drafted him, but like the year later when he had kind of impressed after a full year of being, I don't know, under under the Blues radar or in our organization, was that the comparable was uh, Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. Just maybe being a shorter player and a guy that um, 
works with his stick a lot more than being physical with his body. But I think also the offensive side, we don't see this too much from Keith anymore, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he has a wicked wrister for a defenseman, which yeah. is kind of different when you're used to seeing him taking you know, slap shots or maybe a slap pass here and there. Yeah, it's a different thing for the goalie to watch out for, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was definitely a nice shot, nice goal. And it ended up being the game winner, right? So, yeah, I think oh, no, he's. Mortis has did. I think he's um, going to benefit a lot from having Yo as a coach. Yeah, I don't think. I don't, man, do you see a Vince Dunn flourishing in a Ken Hitchcock system? I just, just don't. Shake my head silently. Yeah, there's just no way. Very so. good for podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. For those of you viewing our podcast today, <laughs> <Live. you can> <laughs> see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think he's definitely a beneficiary of Mike Yo. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is everyone in the clubhouse temperamentally. Us. Um, as are, are we, who would get to watch him angrily sip water. Uh, so the third period was kind of the turtle period, from what we can tell. We didn't get to watch this in person. Uh, but two really strange goals happening uh, in this period. The first uh, was, was, okay, what was the order? Was the Como one the weird deflection and then the... The first one was the deflection around the boards, so, uh, which happens once a year to a couple of teams around the league. I guess it's not once a year, but a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Blake Como scored uh, on a goal that just it caromed around the boards. I'm I'm not sure we have the order right on these. It might be reversed. This is, I think this is what we I saw in the replay. Remember, yeah, I seem to remember Duchesne passing the puck that went around the net, and he had the assist on the other one. But in any case, one of these two goals, the first of which was scored by Blake Como, uh, was a pass that just caromed around the corner of the boards, and Hutton walked out to play it, and it just took a nasty bounce before he could reach it. And by the time that he could get back in front of the net, it was already in the goal. Um just one of those goals you see where you there's nothing you can do about it. Your team looks just idiotic and incompetent, but in reality it's just a bounce you can never predict. Mm-hmm. He's played it a thousand times on those boards, and it's always been fine, and this one time it happened, and it's a goal against, and it sucks. Uh, Wilson and Kerfoot got assists on the first goal. Uh, then Robert Bortuzzo. Oh, yeah, no, that was the that was the the riding goal. The rim because, around, yeah. No, that was the riding goal because Bertuzzo's goal was after that. Oh, right. So, so the first goal, sorry about all of this, but the first goal happened after uh, Bortuzzo got kind of tripped up and fell on uh, Carter Hutton and sort of rode him like a unicorn uh, down the ice, which is ironic because he once rode Jaden Schwartz like a unicorn. Quite literally, in a picture that's making the rounds. But yeah, uh, Bortuzzo and uh, Hutton underneath him sort of slid all the way pretty much to the boards, and Bortuzzo couldn't get off of him, and they just buried the puck in the empty net. And Bortuzzo looked really stupid until he scored a goal that gave us a 4 2 lead. Um, assisted by Saboka and Sammy Blay, who got his first uh, puck, first uh, point in the NHL. Which I'm surprised we didn't hear. Well, we didn't hear mention, but we also didn't watch it. Right. So they probably did. Yeah. But. Uh, and Saboka actually on this one had a real sick dish. Real sick, as uh, Darren Pang would say. But yeah, he found Bortuzzo on a pretty much totally blind backhand, and Bortuzzo just was cleaning up. 
Uh, but it was kind of cool. Bortuzzo has three points on the season, and they were both in these two games. All three of them were in these two games uh, against the Blackhawks and the uh, Avalanche. So that's cool for him. Uh, any point that you get from Robert Bortuzzo is a plus. And then uh, Kerfoot scored that goal on the weird uh, carom that made it 4-3. And he was assisted by Duchesne and Barry. But the big goal that wasn't a goal that was a goal from uh, the night was when Rantanen scored on a puck that uh, was reviewed. It was originally called a goal. Uh, The play was reviewed uh, for offsides. So Mike Yo made the risky offsides challenge. And it was ruled that uh, Sven Andergetto had crossed the offsides line uh, in the offensive zone and carried the puck back in to assist Rantanen on the goal. But what had actually happened <laughs> was that um, Andergetto had received the puck offsides, he'd carried it back out. Mm hmm. And then immediately it was it was clear everyone had cleared the zone. Then he immediately skated back in, and they scored the goal. So uh, the NHL issued a statement this morning uh, that basically said the goal shouldn't have been allowed. They said per rule seventy eight point seven note one coaches challenge goals will only be reviewed for a potential offside infraction if a the puck does not come out of the attacking zone again or. B, all members of the attacking team do not clear the attacking zone again between the time of the offside play and the time the goal was scored. Although there was an offside, it occurred prior to the puck clearing the zone, which nullifies any goal review related to that offside. The entry into the zone immediately prior to the goal was onside, therefore the goal should have counted, which is uh, politely said, but basically meaningless as the goal still stood and the referee's decision was final. Uh, We talked a little bit about this. I don't really feel bad because the refs still blew a call. It still should have been blown Mm. dead for offsides. It just wasn't that the review was technically legal. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the two goals that put the abs in striking distance, as we've already mentioned, were both very strange. Yeah. So there shouldn't have been the tying goal mm -hmm. in a a regular game. There shouldn't have been the tying goal. It's weird because... Like you said, you don't feel bad, and I don't really feel bad either because they screwed up twice, and they couldn't they couldn't clean up both their messes. They had to pick one. Right. They either had to say, "Oh, you know, we we screwed up on." They basically said we screwed up reviewing the cl- the play. Right. It should have been allowed a goal, but by that they're saying we admit that we screwed up the first time, but we have to let it slide, or they could have gone the other way with it and just vice versa the, the whole yeah. thing. So one way, they had to let a screw-up stand. Either they didn't review it or they let the weird offside stand. Yeah. So at the end of the game, that ended up being the decisive moment because the Blues held on and won 4-3 off the strength of the Bortuzzo goal in this ter- overturned call. Uh it's we. I mean, we didn't see the flow of the game, so we can't truly comment. It feels like it was a game that we kind of rightfully won with a couple of real weird goals, but we're also kind of lucky to escape with the two points and not give the Avalanche any. Uh, so kind of in the middle, and it's hard to say more confidently without us having caught every minute mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. We play 
the uh, Vegas Golden Knights for the first time ever uh, tomorrow night, uh, late in the evening. 9.30. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see which of those two teams off to a hot start uh, will be the victor. And then we uh, host the Flames next Wednesday. Is that a game you get to go to? Yeah, it's my first game of my 12-season pack. And then uh, we travel to uh, Carolina next Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we should hopefully record on Thursday for once yeah. like we intend to. Uh, but we will keep you posted on that. So before we sign off, we have a couple of things to discuss. The first is a new segment we're debuting that we've been talking about uh, internally for a while. Internally, a like lot there's, of there's been a lot of memos, a lot of reviews between you, me, um, and Tim. Yeah, <laughs> Tim's, producer Tim. Tim's been very vocal. Um, <laughs> he's been ag- ag- actively against this segment and ever seeing the light of day. But Damn, Tim. We shout him down. Um, the segment is called Dump or Chase. Uh, we will use this in different ways. The way we're <laughs> using it today is to take a look at the teams that are really high or really low unexpectedly in the standings or maybe a little expectedly. Um, and we'll say we dump, like we don't believe that they're legitimate in this case, mm-hmm. or actually, you know, that they're either better or worse than the record reflects, or we chase it, saying that we do believe that uh, they are that team. So the first team that we're talking about is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who obviously beat the Blues 2-1, to one, uh, have a 6-1-1 one one record, and they are leading the Atlantic Division. I'm going to chase on this team. I definitely think they are a strong Stanley Cup contender. We said it in the offseason when we talked about this division. They are so deep. They have so much scoring talent. Uh, the, fa- the fact that Steven Stamkos is almost an afterthought on that team, I feel like, mm-hmm. just because Kucherov's so good and Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat are really good and Victor Hedman's really good. Now they have Sergachev, who's looked good. Uh, Braden Point. Braden Point's there. He's already got eight points. Um, Vasilevsky, I think, is more than capable of holding his own. I don't see any real weakness on this team. Maybe defensive depth. They do have... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even think of his name right now. The fella from New York who really sucks. Um, Dan Girardi. Dan Girardi, thank you. But... Uh, yeah, I, I just think they've got a great coach. Uh, John Cooper, that's his name, correct, mm-hmm. is very good. Uh, I think this is a top contender this year. Do you agree that they're a chase in this context? Yeah, this is a, a chase for sure. It's I, This is one of those teams where they just look so good, and I have a hard time not putting them in, like, at very least, the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I know, I get it's real early, but they've shown it before. They've been in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm -hmm. They've had some turnaround, and they've only gotten better, at least on paper and less far on the ice, too. They just seem that strong. Mm -hmm. And the Atlantic, I don't think, is an overly strong division. It's them and the Leafs, which is weird to say. Yeah. And then just kind of the rest of them. <laughs> that is weird to say. Uh, Steve Eiserman is like the yin to uh, <laughs> the yang of Joe Sackick in terms of player general managers. Uh, and I'm convinced that if there are any weaknesses on this team, he'll find a way to address it so when the good. deadline comes. And I just think they'll be solid all the way through. I would, if I had to handicap Stanley Cup 
champion right now, I would probably put the Lightning first. I really am that sold on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams that I doubt were as sold on. <laughs> uh, moving on, the New Jersey Devils are 6-2-0, and as I said at the cold open, if you will. They're the only team with a record as good as the Blues over eight games, um, and they are leading the Metropolitan Division. Ian, are you dumping or chasing this team that's 6-2-0? <laughs> Dumb? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> like some sort of valley girl? Yeah. Uh, I want them to keep doing this well. Mm-hmm. It's fun just to see Taylor Hall smile. <laughs> He's had so few opportunities. Yeah, he's looked so sad throughout his whole career. Um, I want him to do well, and they're amazingly like a very high-scoring team. Mm -hmm. I know the whole league has is up in scoring right now, but for a team that even when they were good in the two thousands, were not a high-scoring team. They were like they were the trap team. They're the defense first team, and then they stunk, and they were still defense first. Yeah, and they just really weren't good at either. It's just amazing to see. Anybody with the New Jersey Devils uh, jersey on score goal. Shown enough to me that mm-hmm. maybe in this division they're competing for a wild card, maybe a, a second wild card spot. This is such a good division, though. It's the best division in hockey, probably overall, top to bottom. They've got the Penguins, Blue Jackets, Capitals, Flyers below them, the Hurricanes, who we were saying were a fringe playoff team. And then the Islanders and Rangers, who we'll talk about in a minute, that are still at the bottom for some reason. Um, So I think they've shown enough to me to be maybe in the conversation for at least like for a team that I thought was going to be real lousy or not real lousy, but pretty lousy. Uh, maybe they're not as bad. Maybe they're a, a year or two ahead of where I thought they were in their youth movement and everything. With that said, I don't. They're not winning the Metro Division by any stretch. Um, Corey Schneider went down last night in their game for an injury that looked pretty bad to begin with, but he finished the second period, and they pulled him out for the third. Uh, Now they have a week off from games, and he's on the IR, but he could only miss that game. So if anything comes out that it's a a much longer injury than that, they're obviously in a really bad situation. Uh, But for the time being, I'm going to dump, but only slightly. Um... (laughs) Uh, moving on to the Montreal Canadiens, who are 1-5-1, and one, last in the Atlantic Division. Finally! Uh, I'm... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't decide. I think I'm chasing this a little bit. A I think for a team that is always projected as a top team based on their history, and a roster that should be better than this, I don't think they're... I certainly don't think they're a cup contender, and I don't know that in a division that already has the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Senators, and Bruins, they're necessarily a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Carey Price. They don't have any other top-end talent. They've got an aging Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of like really good second-line pieces that they're for. Uh, Max Pacioretty's a first-liner, but like... A lot of pieces that are aging or weird or they're just like a misshapen. It's like the the island of misfit toys out there, really. It's mm-hmm. just kind of Mark Bergevin doing whatever he wants <laughs> and just kind of... how? Yeah. I don't understand. I will deploy you here. <laughs> we must have Jonathan Drewin because he speaks French. Get rid of Sergachev, even though we need defense much <laughs> more desperately. Uh, just... 
I don't know why he's still employed. I don't get this team at all as an organization. I am chasing that they are not a playoff team. I don't think they'll finish last in the Atlantic, uh, but I don't know that they'll be a playoff team and rally that well. The okay. last time they were this bad, they were this bad because they didn't have Carey Price. Now they're this bad and they have Carey Price. So I forgot which way our Chase and Dump thing all went already. But Chase is, I believe, what's happening. Dump mm-hmm. is, I do not believe what's happening. I figured it out now, but I was confused. <laughs> yes, they're doing poorly, and I'm like full Chase mode. I believe this is going to keep happening. I don't even know if it's like head... Head versus heart for me, where I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really thinking about their, them statistically mm-hmm. or the players they have, but just looking at their lineup, it's Pacioretty on left wing with Jureen centering him, and then Galchenyuk on the right wing, which they've put him on the fourth line repeatedly this year because you're just not good. Galchenyuk yeah. hasn't been. Mm-hmm. You got Thomas Wolanek, who's just old as hell. Yes. Arturi let he has been in. this whole time. I don't know. I don't know who these people are. They still have Andrew Shaw. Why? <laughs> like it's just so confusing. Yeah, I think I lost it when last year at the deadline, Bergevin like was like, "We need to bolster this team up for the playoffs." So we got like four fourth liners. And he was like, mm. done. And I was like, you can't just get players. <laughs> that's not, like, that's what people do, but yeah. there's a reason. Yeah. I think this guy's got, like, half a brain. He's got <laughs> just a, one half. He's got a full brain, but only half of it's ever on. Yeah. That seems accurate. They have Carl Alsner because they needed that. Did you know they have, like, $9 million in cap space still? Why? How? Like that? What you all you always <laughs> want like more cap space, but when it's this much, it's like now you've done the opposite, look at, and it's just as wrong. Look at where Radulov could have fit very easily. They could have paid him that money. Yeah, they could have paid Markov the money he wanted yeah. instead of him going over to what the KHL. Yeah, that's that's strange. So I just don't get this team. They're just an enigma. We need to do a whole special I, episode on what the I heck's want them to just Quebec be a dumpster what fire. What the heck about Quebec? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if Carey Price is ever like, you know, I'm so sick of this. I'm done. Just get me out of here. He's going to pull a a Patrick Patrick Watt, please. (laughs) That'd be great. great. Um, So moving on to another team that is uh, struggling mightily right now. Shocking that the addition of Kevin Shattenkirk didn't fix all this of this team's one, defensive man. woes. Uh, the New York Rangers are 1-5-2. They're last in the Metropolitan Division. And when you look at their schedule, it has not uh, been great. <laughs> they lost 4-2 to to the Avs, 8-5 to to the Maple Leafs, beat the aforementioned Habs 2 to nothing. Uh, we beat them 3-1. to The Blue Jackets beat them 3-1. to The Devils beat them 3-2. to uh, Pittsburgh beat them five to four. They beat New York, the Islanders, in a shutout uh, in a shootout last night. Uh, this is a team that has an aging Henrik Lundqvist, who I really do think is past his prime, uh, backed up mm. by uh, Andre Pavelek for some reason. Um, <laughs> Because why not? Uh, let's get rid of Ranta because we don't want a young, exciting goalie. We want Andre Pavlovich. What a dumb trade. That's uh, a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have a lot of scoring. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, and this is like, 
I, I feel like I hate on this guy too much, but this is Kevin Shattenkirk in a nutshell. He leads the team with seven points, and he's a minus five. Like, yep. that's Kevin yeah. Shattenkirk. <laughs> um, he has four power play points. Matt Zuccarello is the other leading scorer, which is a problem. Like, that's bad for this mm. team. Um, my, Ryan McDonough's doing nothing on the stat sheet. Rick Nash has one point this year. Oh, um, that guy's just... Out of it. Zabanajad has six. Uh, D'Angelo's gotten one point. VZ's done nothing. Uh, they added Adam Cracknell, which speaks for itself. I am chasing <laughs> that this team also is not bad, not good. And I did say, if I remember correctly, when we talked about the Metro Division, that if one team was just going to fall, like mm-hmm. plummet, out of uh, playoff position that they were in last year, I could see it being this team. How did they make the playoffs last year? I don't year? know, because they went kind of deep. Like, they won a round, didn't they, mm-hmm. at least? And they um, were, like, while they were in the wild card, they were, like, s- solidly in the first position. Yeah. We talked about, when we looked at this division, um, we talked about the, the Hurricanes and the Flyers maybe moving into playoff roles, but who would fall? Mm-hmm. And it looks like the Rangers would fall. Yeah. And I have no trouble believing that they will miss the playoffs they need to going this you know with the rest of this way i feel like they hit their ceiling like a couple years ago didn't they make they made it to did they ever make it to the I think finals? they made it to the finals one time yeah oh did they lose the kings or something mm-hmm. yeah i want to say that's true okay um just Gross. not a good team anymore yeah um, they they hit their ceiling they got to start over Moving on to a little closer to home, the Minnesota Wild are one, one, and two. Die. Uh, they're last in the Central. <laughs> They've only played four games, which is strange. Uh, dumper chase on this one. They might have. Did they play tonight? Yeah, news update: They lost to Winnipeg <laughs> four to three. Oh, so they won one and three. Yeah. What do you think, dumper chase? Um, this one I got for being for continuing to being poor. I think it's a dump. I think they'll turn it around. It is a little harder. Uh, tonight was an OT loss. Oh, was it? I guess, yeah. Or no, it was 1-2-2. Two, and two. Never mind. You're right. Yeah. It was a loss. A Sorry, solid, regular <laughs> loss. Um, I don't think they'll stay this bad. Mm-hmm. I do think they have to right the ship quicker. Yeah. I know it sounds silly, five games, and you're just 1-2-3, and what, one, two, and three, whatever that is. 1-2-2. One, 1-2-2, two, one, two, two. Two, yeah. Yeah. But that's... That weighs on you. That's not stellar, and you kind of want to get off to at least a fifth, you know, a five hundred start. Mm-hmm. You feel pretty good about it, and yeah. I think it's a lot harder to come back from a slow start than to like say start hot and then fizzle out a little. It's yeah. like oh, we still have the confidence, or we brought it up there. But I, having said all that, I think they'll do it. I think Dubnik's a good enough goalie, just being seven foot tall and gangly. Yeah. Um, but they do have a lot of injuries. From what I remember, Prize is hurt as as like Coyle or Zucker. One of those two is hurt. Uh, I mean, they're kind of relying on Chris Stewart right now. Mm-hmm. I think to score, which is kind of weird, and he is kind of poison. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna dump this one. I think they've lost four of their five games, but their point differential is negative two. Mm-hmm. So, so they're, they're close. losing a lot of them close. Obviously, two overtime losses or two that'll do one goal losses, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, the thing about it that you said, though, is this is a tough 
division. I realize we've kind of said that about every division. Mm-hmm. But this one, maybe more than any of the other ones, there's a lot of parity top to bottom in terms of, like, there's not this really clear top mm-hmm. three or four but there are seven, six or seven teams that are real dangerous, and that includes Blues, Blackhawks, Predators, but the Stars under mm. Hitchcock are looking better. And even the Avalanche don't look say, like uh, a joke this year. Even our worst team in this division, yeah. the Avalanche, look okay. So this is a, this is a, te- uh, a f- conference division, thank you for <laughs> my brain, <laughs> that just is you can't afford to leave a lot of points on the table. Granted, they have we have you know three games in hand on them, and if they win all three of those games, then we're only ahead by two points. Uh, but yeah, I think they're a better team than this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't finish last in this division. I still think they'll fight for a playoff spot. But it's definitely an interesting scenario to see them uh, in this situation. Kings, the Los Angeles Kings, our old nemeses are uh, 5-0-1 um, right now, and they are leading their Pacific Division. Uh, I am going to dump on this one as well. I think the teams that are not succeeding in this division right now will succeed more uh, than they are right now, and mm. I don't think that the Kings, I almost called them the Chiefs for some reason, <laughs> I don't think the Kings uh, have the firepower necessarily to keep Mm. this going with that said they're a team that's really not drastically different from when they were winning the cup several years ago Mm -hmm. um but i don't know it just seems like quick doesn't quite have the edge he used to have he had a couple really bad injuries um kopitar didn't perform last year nearly up to his standards i don't think um drew dowdy's playing with a chip on his shoulder hasn't been quite as respected i just i do think and not to be like strange or any too ethereal or anything but i do think there's a certain bit of magic in like a really good team where you can even have the same players and not i mean look at the chicago cubs this year last year they won 100 games Mm -hmm. and won the world series this year same players pretty much the same roster they won 82 games and got darn near blanked in the NLCS. Yeah, so like, there's some, there's more than just the players on the team, mm-hmm. right? So, I do think they will fall off from here. Um, they could still be a fringe, like I, I keep using that word. But they could <laughs> still be like fighting for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they'll be anywhere near the top of that division. I'm with you. They'll there. probably finish about where they did last yeah. year. I think. I just have an inkling they'll probably uh, make the playoffs, but mm-hmm. obviously not in that top spot. I am really interested to see how the other teams do because I think they might stick with being, you know, just kind of middle of the road, and it just depends if every team underneath them, you know, stays crappy or mm-hmm. if they all, like you said, fix their woes and get better. Um, I don't want it. I'm the opposite of the devils here. I don't want to see the Kings be good again. <laughs> it's really weird after being, you know, seeing more of the Blackhawks and you get tired of seeing the Penguins back to back and you even get tired of Nashville last year. I know I am. And then mm, you're like, oh, you gross. know, you're like, LA's not so bad. I remember hating LA, but they're not so bad. I haven't said that when we lost to them. I was like, at least it's not the Hawks. But, like, deep down, I was still like, I hate this team so much. <laughs> and I thought I was over it. But even just looking at 5-0-1 for the Kings, 
kind of makes my blood boil a little. I'm like, that's just so disgusting. Please stay away. I want someone different. Yeah. Out of that, out of that division. I also really don't know what's going on with that team in general. I don't really pay that much attention to the Pacific. Admittedly, yes. Um, We're a little less. I know they have a new coach. They don't have that Muppet behind <laughs> the bench anymore. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, and I think it's uh, Jeff Carter is, like, hurt now. He's, yeah, like, out for, like, a month or two or indefinitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> a month or two I or think, forever. <laughs> or he'll never play another yeah. game, something like that. Maybe so, yeah, that definitely hurts. For Rick Nash. Oh. Dust Mike Richards out of a meth lab. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. I just think, well, that's more of a wait and see, but they won't be this good for the rest of the year, especially without Carter, uh, who was phenomenal last year, really mm-hmm. underrated. Um, the next team uh, and final team that we're talking about, we'll, we'll have one more situation. Vegas Golden Knights, the expansion team. They are 5-1-0 and one and oh in six games. They're 10 points, have them second in the Pacific Division. They have a goal differential of five, all of which I think were scored by James Neal. Um, <laughs> James Neal and the Golden Knights. This is... A chase for me because I want to chase it. Is this your head it's or your heart? heart chase. It's, your heart. it's a heart chase. Uh, if Mark Andre Fleury is out for any extended period of time, I do don't feel good about this chase. But I, I think, and I think the NHL specifically crafted the expansion draft so that it would create a team. Oh, definitely. That was interesting, definitely. rather than traditionally expansions and sports are like you'll get a rashers. team, but they'll be a real pisser. You know, <laughs> like this is like this is a team that can compete. I still think when the chips are down, uh, I think uh, Run GMC George McPhee, <laughs> uh, as I have titled him myself, their their GM George McPhee uh, is probably going to be quicker to fold at the deadline than. Uh, other teams might be because he's really taken a build for the future approach, and if they're even fr- you know unless they're really in it, come the deadline, I can't see them holding on to James Neal as hot as he's been, as much as he might get on the trade market. Other guys that they got that are on one year deals, Perron comes to mind. Um, even Flurry, I don't know what's left on Flurry's deal, but like, I think when push comes to shove, they might trade assets and everything I'm saying is an argument for dumping this uh, but I'm going to chase it out of my heart I do th- I think they're better than uh, an expansion team would be expected to be on paper and in performance mm-hmm. um, so I'd love to see them continue to succeed I want to see them succeed but I I think I think it's a dump for me yeah. I don't I don't see it continue to happen. It's weird because there's a few other teams like we'll kind of talk about as a whole in the Pacific uh-huh. that are just underperforming, and I think this is one where they're just going to catch up and outshine Vegas. Yeah, I agree. That'll and fun. I don't think, and I, we mentioned this in our when we were going through the divisions, I don't think that in the Western Conference that maybe even either of the wild cards is coming out of the Pacific. I think they might both go to the Central. Yeah. And so it's just it's three whole teams. Certainly probably will at this point. Yeah, yeah it's it's the three teams in their division plus two good central teams they got to beat out for a spot. Yeah. I hope they get close. I don't want them to be in the dumpster, but then again, if you're George McPhee, you might 
kind of want them to be because right. you just want more and more, you know, higher picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting. Like you said, I'm glad that it's competitive. I'm glad they're not 0-6 because yeah. that'd be like, oh, well. That's almost like not having a team. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, there's 30 teams really in the league. And then there's this <laughs> other thing that flounders over there in the desert. That'd be and like it's not the, the Coyotes. coyotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the final thing, <laughs> the final thing we're going to be uh, dumping or chasing is the entire Pacific Division. Uh, we've alluded to it, but the standings right now are the Kings, uh, the Golden Knights, the Flames, the Canucks, and then the Sharks, Ducks, and Oilers, and then, of course, the Coyotes. So, save for the Coyotes, the top half and the bottom half are pretty much inverted from what you expected coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd certainly expected the Oilers, Ducks, and Sharks in some order to be the top three uh, in the division. Maybe the Flames and Sharks would flip, mm-hmm. uh, but then you expected the Flames, uh, then the Knights and Kings to be in some order in the mm-hmm. bottom half. Um, and Canucks at the bottom. Are you dumping or chasing this being the order of the division or anywhere close to it <laughs> that's come a, the end of the season? That's a head-heart thing. I kind of wish it would be like that because it's, just so, <laughs> be cool, it's yeah. just so weird and it wouldn't make I any sense. I guess calling a Canucks-Kings series yeah, as we all like, expected. <laughs> yeah, after like the previous year. Um, but I don't see it lasting. I think they'll probably be at least – Well, I'm probably, it's not a really bold predic- prediction, but I'll say there's at least one team – that is currently doing poorly in that division, that's just going to keep doing poorly. And it's going to be the Sharks. The Sharks? It, I mean... I think Pete DeBoer gets fired pretty soon. You make it... I, was, I think he's... I thought you were going to go for a joke pick, but I think you're right. I think I think that team, minus Marlowe, which I want to crap on Marlowe, but he's pretty good. He's <laughs> slick. And I don't think... I don't know. I just feel I have a feeling about that team that they're like they their their push against us to the final was like the last hurrah. Oh, that when their Stanley Cup appearance was just it. Much like the Canucks when they pushed to the finals, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most of a decade ago now, and were never quite the same since. I think they're going to fall off. Um, I've already heard Pete DeBoer is like on the hot seat, which is kind of ridiculous because he did just take a team to the final but he's also he took the devils to the final too he's also ratty looking and obnoxious so good riddance (laughs) uh but yeah i'm also dumping the idea that this could be anything like what this division looks like at the end um i think the the one of the things that's misleading here is whereas other teams have all played eight or seven games uh the sharks ducks and oilers have only played six apiece no one in this division has played eight but um the flames and canucks have played seven uh the kings and knights have played six uh we were kind of debating on whether to do this segment this week or wait a few weeks but you might lose some of the storylines that make the segment compelling if you waited so that's where we stand on that. Uh, before we wrap up, we have the tweet of the week, uh, which comes from Pete Blackburn, uh, a hockey reporter who uh, found this brilliant call from one of the games that I'm going to try and play for us, uh, and uh, said, when the referee is feeling extra Canadian, here we go. Their seventh power play of the game. Carolina, coming down on the ice. Jones, the ice, one, two, three. 
if you couldn't hear it, uh, the referee said, uh, bench minor for Carolina, too many gentlemen on the ice, uh, which is a brilliant call for referees. <laughs> As referees go, it's right out there with giving them the business and other great uh, what was, referee what calls. What was the one in Dallas a few years ago where it said something like, trip, or it was like tripping or hooking, you can't do that? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guy, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the NHL officials have some great ones. There's one against James Neal uh, that we cannot repeat on the air, uh, but it was terrific and you should look it up because it is very vulgar and you hear the referee <laughs> cuss out James Neal and it's awesome uh, so <laughs> Pete Blackburn wins uh, tweet of the week he certainly doesn't need any rub from us uh, Congrats, working Pete. as he does uh, for CBS Sports but he's uh, clever and he won that uh, for our Twitter and for that retweet you can follow us at two guys no cup on Twitter, spelled out in pretty words. <laughs> um, you can follow me at Stephen Ground and Ian at Ian A. Peters. Uh, we'll post the podcast on there. We'd love a follow. We love to interact with people on Twitter. Live tweeting the games is like one of the most fun parts of doing this for mm-hmm. me. Um, although we love recording too. Uh, <laughs> we love it all. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you have. Uh, we've got the podcast on itunes and google play which we assume is where you're already listening to it but if mm. you're not feel free to like subscribe oh and you gotta smash that like button smash yeah if you're just if you're just tapping the like button get, you get out get <laughs> you out unlike it and then just, just smash. And smash i want to fist through your monitor <laughs> so uh thank you for listening this week and we will be back hopefully next thursday Uh, resuming more of our regular schedule. Until then, sayonara. See ya.